phone phone correspondence and friendship and it's a weird place to be finishing seminary studies and it's it's a strange job process to start looking for a pastoral position different from other jobs and application processes so thank you for going out of your way for helping us and trying to be a help to us Yeah, I I wanted to share with you all today some of the ways that God has been gracious to me, uh, some of the ways that he's worked in my life, and I hope that some of this will resonate with you all and be an encouragement to you all. Um, the, The misunderstandings that I've had in life about God, about who he is and what he's like, and different struggles and different hardships. Uh, different confusions that he's been really kind to untangle and show me what is actually true. So I, I hope that our time today will be will be encouraging. Um, I grew up uh, a little bit about my family background. I grew up. Uh, my dad is actually Pakistani originally. He moved to the U.S. Uh, he was raised Muslim, and I've never met anyone on his side of the family. Um, Pakistan is in South Asia. He's not ethnically Arab, but he speaks Arabic. He has a pretty thick accent. Uh, My parents got married, and they had kids later in life, so he's actually old enough to be my grandfather. He's a very secular person. He believes in God. He'll talk about God, but it's in a very personal, private way. You shouldn't try to evangelize or talk about religion in public. And he believes in God in a very flexible way, in a way that that he can kind of make God out to be what he wants him to be, and and he doesn't have to go by something that's been revealed. Um, But he moved to the United States. He went to college, became a citizen here, and he actually served in the military. He was a communications officer for, I think, 20-some years in the Marine Corps. Um, So three out of the four of us kids in my family, we were born in Virginia Beach, and my mom is originally from Wisconsin, so once he retired, our family moved back to southern Wisconsin. Uh, South of Madison, Janesville is a manufacturing city of about 60,000 people, and then next to that is Milton, and that's a smaller farming community, about 6,000 people. So our address was Janesville. They had a General Motors plant there, but that closed down in about 2007, 2008. Uh, I graduated high school in 2008. And my mom is actually Lutheran, uh, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Uh, she goes to church every Sunday. And yeah, happy Mother's Day to, to all the moms here today. That I know there's lots of sacrifices and lots of 
ways that you lay down your life for your kids and your family. Um, and the Lord knows that, and he sees that. And he, he knows how hard that is, and he knows what that's like to go through. So th- thank you, moms. Um, my mom, her heritage, her side of the family are all mostly German and a little bit of Austrian. Um, very stoic family, very um, strong strong roots. Uh, we didn't really discuss our emotions growing up. We didn't have a good, good way of discussing emotions or talking about, um, yeah, talking about emotions in a, in a healthy way. Um, so we grew up going to a Lutheran church every Sunday, and Pastor Kevin, I believe I read on the church website that this was originally a, a Lutheran church building, so I can't get away can't get away from Lutheran churches. Um, Lutherans don't actually consider themselves Protestant. Uh, I've always been told they consider themselves to be what the the real Catholic church ought to be. Uh, So growing up, I didn't didn't understand a lot of that, but I knew that we went to church. And um, my parents, I think my mom says that she thought that my dad would become a Christian after they got married. Uh, things seemed to be trending in that direction, but that never happened, and their marriage has been a really sad and painful one. Um, so if, if I could encourage any of you sisters here and give you a, a loving piece of caution, please take it from someone who has seen a lot of hurt in marriage and... Uh, I would I would just love to tell you don't go dating or marrying someone who doesn't believe what you believe about God. Uh, I know it can be especially difficult for you sisters in navigating the whole dating scene, uh, but I, I would be glad to spare you that hurt of ending up with someone that God doesn't will for you to end up with. Uh, I'm the second of four kids in my family. I have three siblings. My older sister is actually an abortion activist in New York City, Uh, and then I'm the second. My younger brother works in a factory back in Wisconsin near where we grew up, and then my younger sister is actually, she recently moved up to the UP, and she's in a master's program up at Michigan Tech this year. And my brother professes faith, uh, and I think he's walking with the Lord. My two sisters are not, and I love them, and I pray for them a lot. Um, and one, one other thing I wanted to say to, to the moms and dads, parents here, uh, you're not ultimately accountable to God for whether your, your children follow Jesus. Uh, you're accountable for many things, but that's not one of them, ultimately. So I hope that if, if you have a child or children who's not walking with the Lord, and if you're blaming yourself for that and really feeling the weight of that, um, then I, I pray that the Lord would relieve you of any of that guilt and blame that you don't actually need to carry. I know that can, can feel heavy, and I, I pray that he helps you discern that and takes that away. And if there's one thing that you take away from, from what I say this morning, I hope it's, you'll take away that theology really matters. Like what, what we believe about God really matters and how to relate to him. Um, so here's, here's one example from growing up. Lutherans are pedo-baptists, so that means they baptize babies. And 
they believe in baptismal regeneration. So when a baby is baptized, I'm not sure where the baptistry would be, but um, when a baby is baptized, that's what makes you a Christian, and that's what brings you into the church. And so growing up, I, I always believed there was a God, which I'm, I'm really thankful for. Um, I think maybe just a couple flickers of times in my life where I wondered, does God really exist? That was, I was very confident that God was there. Uh, but I believed growing up that I was a Christian because my mom had taken me to church and had me baptized. So I was in. And all of my siblings, I thought we were all Christians. And I think I assumed that lots of other people around me were also Christians because of either cultural reasons or they would say generally religious things. So I figured we were all pretty much Christians. Um, I, I believed in sin from a really early age also. Um, I, I believed I was a sinner. Uh, I knew I did sinful things, disobedient things. I treated my siblings in sinful ways. And I wanted to be a good kid, but for the life of me, I just could not figure out how to do it and how to, how to be a better kid. Uh, I love my mom, and I don't want to dishonor my parents in any way um, in what I say. But I, I remember every holiday and every, every birthday for my mom, we would always ask her, uh, what would you like for, for your birthday or Christmas or Mother's Day? And her answer, she'd always say, I just want obedient children. And that was so hard to live up to. Um, a good desire, right? A, a good thing. Uh, but ended up being, being pretty confusing and, and difficult for us kids growing up. Uh, we grew up in a, a very moralistic way, very concerned with how you behave and how you acted, uh, how well you obeyed or disobeyed, which are, are good things, but that made for a lot of confusion and frustration in childhood. Because Paul tells us in Romans that the mind that's set on the flesh, the unbeliever's mind, is hostile toward God. It does not subject itself to the law of God for it is not even able to do so. And so those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So I was attempting the impossible, really, in a lot of ways, trying to, to keep a law that I didn't, I didn't even have the ability to, to keep. Um, but I, I believed from an early age that sin is the big problem of the human experience of, of life and existence. It's why the world is broken, um, it's why the world isn't perfect, isn't better than it is. And we're all fallen, and I believed pretty easily in sin and the fall. Uh, I did not understand God's mercy. Uh, we went to my mom's Lutheran church every Sunday, and I'd hear this contrast between the law and the gospel. Always the, the law and the gospel being contrasted. And I came away with the impression that there's this teeter-totter on two sides with the law and all the rules for being a good person on one side and then the gospel on the other, and they, they could somehow outweigh each other. And somehow Jesus and the gospel was supposed to make things okay. Somehow there were supposed to be this good news, 
but how that happened was very muddy to me, uh, and it, it didn't really give me any comfort uh, because it felt like the law could apparently outweigh that good news. So not a good understanding of theology. So be, because I didn't understand God's mercy, I was afraid of him. And at this point, I'm, I'm growing up, I'm hearing the Bible in church every Sunday. It's read and it's spoken in the liturgy, the order of service, uh, the script for the service. But the Bible is not being explained. And I saw in the Bible tons of places where it says, fear the Lord, right? And I figured that that meant be afraid of him, dread him. Um, I, I didn't understand that. When the Bible says that, it, God is saying, when you think of me, God is saying, when you think of me, you should have this feeling of awe and respect. And, and yes, there's fear involved, but it's, it's a little bit of healthy fear, and it's a whole bunch of awe when you think about, you realize how glorious God is and how good and holy he is. So that was just lost on me, and I, I really lived in fear of God. Um, I didn't know what that word meant, fearing God, in a, in a right way. So what I believed about him was wrong. And like I said earlier, theology really matters. Um, Lutheran church, I could, hear, I could hear and I could sing that hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. But God didn't feel like a fortress or a refuge to me because he was the one I kept on sinning against. He was the one who I, I knew I was offending. Um, growing up, we, my family did not play a lot of video games, but uh, one thing I wanted to tell you, I enjoyed adventure games where you are playing some kind of hero on a quest, uh, a game, games that have a plot and an object and a good story to them. And not just video games, but movies and books uh, that have good stories with good heroes. That, that was really uh, influential for me growing up. Uh, I was in sixth grade when 9-11 happened. Uh, I think it was really hard on my father. He's, he, he has this thick Arabic accent. He's a pretty confrontational guy. He can, be, he can be, come across as aggressive. He, he is an aggressive man. And after 9-11, if you had an Arabic accent, life was harder in ways. I don't mean that as a blanket statement, but his his life became harder, and my parents' marriage became worse in my middle school and high school years, and my relationship with my dad got worse as I grew older. And this would have been really difficult for me to talk about and tell you all about five to six years ago, and God has been very kind in giving me grace and showing me how to think about family and how to feel about family uh, without lots of bitterness and, and hopeless grief. There's, there's still some grief there, but it's not a, not a despairing kind of grief anymore. So I wanted to tell you, here are some of the things that my dad did not do well. Uh, you're probably familiar with these, I'm sure. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. 
Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Uh, Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So those were, those were areas where my dad did not, he wasn't father of the year. Uh, and, and some things that I did not do well and my siblings did not do well, we're told, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And those instructions are much easier with the gospel. Once you, you understand the gospel, without the gospel, it's really hard for those things to happen and for those relationships to, to be good. But at this stage in my life, I don't know the gospel. My family, my dad certainly does not know the gospel. Um, I did not have very, I don't think I had any close relationships with godly men who really mentored me or discipled me. I didn't know what that meant, discipling. Um, I had one uncle who lived near to us who was very kind. He was a good example, uh, but not a big teacher. And I was able to play sports growing up in school, which I'm thankful for. But I actually had a lot of coaches with anger problems and alcohol problems, which I I didn't come to understand until I was a little older. Um, I wonder for, for you all here today, who are... I wonder who some of your heroes have been throughout your life. Um, Some of my heroes as I was growing up were Sylvester Stallone, the Rambo movies, um, Jean-Claude Van Damme, if you know who he is, uh, Brett Favre, the Packers quarterback. I apologize to any Lions fans for for anything there. Um, And also the, the singers in the rock bands who played on the local hard rock station out of Madison. So, so you can tell my, my picture of heroes and role models, it's, it was very worldly. I had a very flawed idea of uh, who I looked up to and imitated and wanted to emulate. And somewhere, somewhere in middle school especially, it became really important to me to fit in and to be cool I wanted to be cool because I wanted to fit in and not stick out. So I really gravitated to to these men who I thought were cool. But I I always felt like I stuck out. Um, I go by Tim, but my my first name isn't actually Tim or Timothy. It's Tamor, and I think it's Turkish. And if you read it, you won't know how to pronounce it. Uh, It's not a common English name. My, My dad's an immigrant, and... He and I didn't do the kinds of things together that I saw the other boys around me doing with with their dads. So just culturally, our family didn't do what a lot of other families did, it seemed. And I felt that. I I noticed that. So I'm from the countryside between a farming community and a, a manufacturing city. And I'm a Rust Belt Midwesterner. But I don't really feel like I fit in. And years later, I I realized that that was actually a blessing because the world that I was in didn't didn't feel like home. It didn't didn't feel very loving. And that kept me from loving the world in certain ways and feeling like I was at home there. And, And that's good because our citizenship is supposed to be in heaven. And from heaven, we're awaiting a savior. We're seeking a better country 
and a better life than this one here on, on this world. Uh, in high school, when I was in high school, this was 2004 to 2008, I really rebelled a lot, rebelled against my family in, in classes. A lot of sin came into, came into bloom, uh, if you could say. My life bore tons of bad fruit. Um, most of that was my own heart, my own wickedness. Some of it, I think, was you know, tied to things that were going on around me. Uh, my dad became angrier, more, more of a, an angry, abusive man, especially towards my older sister and my younger brother. And I remember lashing out more and more over that and, and him just lashing out back in return. And living at home became, uh, it was like you were constantly living on eggshells at my house because you never knew what was, what was going to set him off. And I, I think there came a point where my home and my family felt like a mess. Uh, school, I, I didn't enjoy school. I didn't feel like I had any friends. Uh, and I never felt like I could be good enough to where I wouldn't get yelled at at school or at home. And God didn't seem to care in all of this. And I, I assumed if God cared, if he cared, then he wouldn't let A, B, and C happen. Uh, he, would, he would make X, Y, and Z happen instead. Uh, he would make what I wanted to happen happen if he cared. Um, even, even good things like, like a peaceful family, uh, a cohesive family, you know, things that are not sinful to want. Uh, I, I started idolizing that and, and thinking, why, why don't I get to have these things? Uh, in high school, I was introduced to pornography. And for the longest time, this, this really felt like the defining sin of my life. And looking back, I, I can see how I really became a, a willing slave to that. Um, and, and that led to much more guilt in my life and shame uh, with no way to atone for it, no way to make up for that. Uh, I didn't know how to make things right and I, I would not have had these categories at all when I was uh, at this stage in my life. But I didn't, I didn't know how there could be atonement, uh, how to be made at one with God. I didn't understand what, what actually covers our sins, what can pay for our sins and deal with them so that we are not punished for them. Uh, in high school, this was a blessing, another blessing from God. I experimented with drugs because the few friends I had thought that drugs were cool. And thankfully, I only ever had bad experiences with drugs. So that was a huge mercy looking back. Uh, near the end of high school, I enlisted in the Marine Corps to get out of the house. I wanted to get out from under my dad's house. But ironically, I got to boot camp and I realized... All these drill instructors are just like my dad. So I, I've made a huge mistake, I remember thinking. And I realized pretty quickly that I did not like it, and I, I didn't want to do it forever, but I had signed on the dotted line. So I tried to keep my word and keep that obligation. And it, was a, it, was a, it felt like a long enlistment. Uh, I ended up in a communications job. We would use radios, phones, computers, and uh, we would send messages back and forth between ground units and aircraft. So 
uh, air support operations was what I did. The, the closest equivalent would be like a 911 operator and emergency dispatcher, but we would dispatch aircraft. And I was in the Marines for just under five years, and I was mostly in California, uh, Okinawa, which is out by Japan. Uh, I was on a ship for a short time, and I got stationed in California again, and I, I got to go to Afghanistan once for six months. And I met guys from all walks of life. It was, it was a really good education in lots of ways. Uh, I met almost no evangelical Christians. So throughout those five years, I was reading the Bible almost a chapter a day, and I, I didn't understand what I, was, what I was reading, but I knew it was a good thing to do. I knew it was a good moral thing to be reading the Bible and still obviously living a very sinful lifestyle and still did not know how to be right with God. Uh, I don't think I was exactly the stereotypical Marine, if, if you know what I mean by that, the stereotype. Uh, I was around a lot of them, and for whatever reasons, maybe my dad, uh, for, for whatever reasons, God kept me from loving the Marine Corps. Uh, I had not been a lover of school growing up. I didn't love school, but being in the Marines, I, I realized I don't have time to read books anymore, and I felt that, that absence. It felt like part of my brain was really atrophying and withering up, and I wasn't using it. And I started looking forward to getting out of the Marines and using, using the GI Bill to go to college. That's a big blessing that the military affords. And I looked forward to using those parts of my mind again, those, those mental muscles. Uh, my best friend in the Marines, his, his name is McKee. He's from Mississippi. He's covered in tattoos. I love him dearly. Uh, we were roommates together on Okinawa. And in 2011, I was flying. It's a long flight from Japan to the U.S., and I'm, I'm getting ready to come home on leave and visit, visit family. And for the long plane ride, he gives me a copy of Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis to read. And in that book, C.S. Lewis says something, something like this. God does not love us because we are good. He makes us good because he loves us. I think, I think C.S. Lewis, he says something like, he says something like, the Christian does not believe that God loves us because we are good. He, he makes us good because he loves us. And I remember reading that and putting the book down, and I remember thinking, man, I wish that were true, but I don't think that's true. Because I had never heard that before in 20-plus in years of going to church. I don't think I ever, I ever really heard or understood that. Um, and I, I was convinced that I needed to be good, I needed to obey before God would love me. So I, I had to fulfill that before I could be right with God. And I remember very clearly uh, what felt like the, the moment in my life where I felt like I really hit rock bottom. Um, I think I, this was on Okinawa, uh, I remember passing out from drinking um, about 3 p.m. maybe in the afternoon, and waking up around midnight and just lying in my bunk crying, uh, feeling like my life is in shambles. You know, what, what am I doing? What am I living for? 
I knew my life was a mess. Um, I, I told you about stories with good heroes in them. I realized, man, I am not a hero at all. I am not, I am not the hero of my life. Uh, I'm not even a decently moral guy. I'm just this sinful, pathetic kid who's gotten totally lost, doesn't know what, what he's living for, doing in life. And I, I knew I needed God to do something. You know, felt like I'm just in this pit, this very depressed place in life. And I, I, I asked him to do something. I didn't even know what that something was that I needed, but... Uh, remember a, a really dark night uh, there. Uh, in 2012, I spent six months in Afghanistan. That's a whole nother story to tell you maybe sometime. Uh, but for today, I, I wanted to tell you I really struggled and I had to think through, is Jesus the only way to heaven? Like, is Christianity the the only true religion that that brings people to heaven. Um, I, I didn't know this, but, but it's, I was thinking about the exclusivity of Christianity, and I thought, you know, doesn't that leave a huge swath of humanity? Doesn't that mean they're not right with God, they're not saved? Um, because we're, we're in Afghanistan, I'm, I'm deployed, and we're fighting the Taliban, Lots of Afghan and Pakistani fighters who believe in the Quran and believe in Islam, um, like I'm sure most of my dad's side of the family believes in. And uh, we're, we're doing airstrikes, we're, we're conducting drone strikes against enemy positions, and um, the, the ordnance, the missiles that a lot of those uh, airstrikes Use the, those missiles are actually called Hellfire missiles, and I couldn't stop thinking, man, are we are we sending these guys to hell if Christianity is true, if the Bible really says what what it says? So that was another thing that I, I really wrestled with still as a, a nominal Christian. So that's kind of the all of that has kind of been the the downward despairing, uh, depressing season of my life as I look back. And in 2013, I, I get out of the Marines after four years, nine months, eight days, and I just, I don't know what I'm doing now. I know that I'm, I'm in San Diego. Uh, my last day at my unit was a Friday, and on that following Monday, a bunch of guys in my company were going out for a training exercise. They were going to be gone for two weeks. And my friend McKee, he asked me to house-sit his apartment and dog-sit for him with his little dog, Charlie. And I hope this doesn't offend anyone. Please forgive me if it does. But I, I remember sitting in McKee's apartment on his ba balcony outside, uh, just chain-smoking on his porch, drinking a whole lot of Miller beer and almost rocking in the fetal position, wondering what, what do I do now with life? Um, you know, my, my obligation to the military is over. I'm, I'm free in a sense, but, but what do I do now? And I started, I also started having this 
irrational fear of homelessness, becoming the, the homeless veteran who gets out of the military and doesn't know, doesn't know what to do. Um, I say irrational, but the thing about irrational fears is that they feel very rational. They feel perfectly possible and plausible. Um, I, I knew I wanted to move back to the Midwest and I wanted to go to college on the GI Bill. Uh, this is the summer of 2013 and I really knew nothing about school. Uh, there was so much that I, I knew nothing about and God has been so kind. Um, I got accepted to go to the University of Iowa, so I, I decided to go there and the, the Lord was really directing things. Um, so the summer of 2013, I'm 23 years old, and a cousin of mine asks me if I want to go to Colorado with him for two weeks. There's some kind of conference that he's going to, and I think, sure, I've, I've seen pictures. Colorado is gorgeous. I'll, I'll go spend two weeks with you there. And it turned out that he was going to a place called Summit Ministries in Colorado, uh, they put on Christian worldview and apologetics conferences, uh, mo- mostly targeted for high school high school students going to college. And I've never heard of apologetics. I don't know what a worldview is. Um, I- I've heard throughout the Marines, I've heard all kinds of viewpoints and philosophies that I don't agree with, but I, I couldn't tell you why exactly. And at this, at this summer conference, I think I heard the gospel and I understood the, the basic facts of how to be right with God, finally. And God was so kind to me, friends. All these, all these different pieces of life, uh, all these different beliefs and kind of random disconnected facts, they all suddenly, it felt like they got turned right side up and they, they came together and they fit into a picture that made sense. Uh, and I got a very clear picture of what life is actually about, living as a person made in God's image, living in a relationship with him. And the gospel of Jesus was right at the center. And I was still really ignorant, but the, the big issues came together at that point. I realized what it means for Jesus to pay for my sins so I don't, I don't have to. Um, Summit also helped, they helped me understand the exclusivity of Christianity. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, I remember hearing an apologist named Greg Kokel. He's a, he's a Baptist, uh, a Reformed Baptist. I heard him say, I heard him say that Jesus is the only way to heaven because God is the only way to God. And I thought, that makes sense. The, the other religions and sects, sects and belief systems, they don't, they don't get us back to God uh, because they don't come from God. And God has to come to us in order to bring us back to him in a, in a gracious way. He has to reveal himself to us. And one other thing that Summit did for me, it introduced me to good Christian books uh, not like literature exactly, but books about theology, Bible commentaries that help explain the Bible, uh, Christian biographies and church history, um, books on different viewpoints within Christianity. 
And that really, learning that, that really reawakened in me uh, a desire to keep on reading and learning about God and, and the world. Um, I'm going to try, I'm conscious of time, I'm going to skip over some things. Um, so Summit in Colorado was was a real big turning point in my life. Hearing the gospel, understanding how God is merciful, how he can be both just to, to punish sins and also merciful to us. And around this time, this is when the Bible really started making sense to me. And I think the Holy Spirit had really regenerated me, given me life. And he started to show me all kinds of things out of the Bible. And things made sense. Um, the Holy Spirit started connecting these dots in my life more and more. And it was largely because of being at churches with pastors who preached the word and explained it. Um, for the next few years, I, I was at churches, good evangelical churches. Uh, they, they didn't just preach about the Bible, and they didn't just preach from the Bible, but they, they actually preached the Bible, and they explained what it says and how to understand it, what it meant. Uh, so, so after Summit in Colorado, I moved to Iowa. Iowa City, Iowa is where the university is. And because of all this, all this learning now, uh, the way my life has changed, uh, I want to go study philosophy at the University of Iowa. I knew, they I knew they were not going to teach me good Christian theology there, but I thought, I can study philosophy here, learn about logic, uh, it'll still be helpful. And my academic advisor there was, was actually a, a small, short German man, very kind man, uh, who was an atheist. Um, big white beard, very encouraging. He had gone to a, a seminary somewhere, uh, but he was an atheist. And after, after one whole semester and then starting another semester, I realized this wasn't going to be a good fit because I, I was being presented with all of these truth claims from a worldview that I didn't accept now. And uh, I didn't share the assumptions of all those truth claims. So I ended up taking some time off from college and um, I, I actually moved in with a family at my church that I went to. Uh, Luke was a college pastor and his wife, Allie, are a few years older than me. Uh, they had two young kids and they, they really showed me how good a family can be when, when both the husband and the wife love the Lord and, and love their spouse really well and love their kids in sacrificial ways. Uh, I got to see a husband and a father who prioritized his marriage and his kids and who apologized to his family when he sinned against them. Uh, he admitted to them when he was wrong, uh, really laid down his life in a ton of ways so that he could build his, his family up. And that was, that was so just novel to me. Um, and, and the Lord taught me so much through, through Luke. Uh, during, during that time, I got introduced to a pastor named John Piper, uh, introduced to his ministry, and I learned, I learned so much more um, about the Bible, um, about preaching and sermons, and 
how growing up I, I would hear these short 15-minute homilies in church that, that don't really teach you the Bible, the point of the passages in the Bible. And I also got introduced to a group called Ligonier Ministries, a, man, a pastor named R.C. Sproul. And I realized that God is so much bigger than, than I had realized. Uh, his plans are so much bigger than just my little life. Thinking that I'm, I was the center of the universe, my life is the most crucial thing going on. And um, Ligonier Ministries helped me, helped me see you're not the center of, the, of your life. You can't be the hero of your life. God is the one writing the story, and, and Jesus is the only true hero. He's the hero. He gets all the glory. Uh, in Iowa, I, I met a really nice Christian girl. I really fell for her. Uh, things seemed to be moving towards engagement. And then she left the country uh, for a summer, and, and long distance uh, brought out lots of selfishness and sinfulness in both of us, but especially in me. And that relationship fell apart and ended, and I really hurt from that. And uh, I caused her a lot of hurt as well. And she forgave me, and the Lord was gracious, but that was a very hard lesson uh, about selfishness and sin. Uh, I started having health problems, and I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Um, it got pretty bad. There have been stretches where it's been bad, but largely it's, it's been very doable, and God's been very kind, um, given lots of, of grace and relief there. And it's been a blessing in that when, when my Crohn's symptoms do get bad, uh, it keeps you really dependent on the Lord just hour by hour, uh, because I, I want God to give me grace for the next five years, long stretches of time, but he keeps, he keeps reteaching you that you only get it in small doses and little bits at a time to bring you through the next thing that, that you have to go through. Um, so I had dropped out of college in Michigan. A man who I had met in Colorado at Summit reached out to me because he was a full-time professor over in Hillsdale, this little school I had never heard of, and he told me I should apply there, so I did. Um, really thankful for, for Hillsdale. They, they do a lot of good things. Um, I think I got a good education as far as reading and uh, history, lots of subjects. It, it's not a good school to go study theology at. Um, there are a lot of different groups that try to coexist, but they, they end up smoothing over a lot of the, the sharp points of disagreement and a lot of differences get blurred out. And so that, that was still, there was still a lot of confusion for me when it comes to God and theology. Um, so I, I learned a lot theologically there, but it was kind of a mile wide and not very deep at all. Uh, but I became a member of a really good church there outside of Jonesville, Michigan, called Countryside Bible Church. Um, there, there in Hillsdale, I met another really nice Christian girl who loved the Lord, and we started dating, and things seemed to be heading for engagement. Uh, but then she called it off, decided it wasn't what she wanted, and that really crushed me. That, that really, really hurt. Uh, and God used that 
to show me that I was idolizing a relationship and idolizing marriage and having a family. Um, And I, I remember late one night talking with one of my pastors at the church and he, he told me I, I needed to consider if, if God never gives you the thing that you really want, if he never gives me a good marriage or a family of my own like I want him to, will God still be enough for me? Uh, if he never gives me those gifts in this life, good things that I want, uh, will I still trust Jesus and still worship him and follow him? So... I had to think about, is is he enough? That that was huge for me. Um, the man who really mentored me there, I'm going to try to wrap this up. Um, his name is Pastor Bob, Bob Snyder. And he met with me multiple times each week for almost three years. He led a college Bible study. And his teaching was so important for me, especially through the book of Romans. Um, he explained how... At the cross, this was so huge for me, friends. Uh, At the cross, Jesus has even paid for the sins that I have not sinned yet, that that I haven't even committed yet. And when I realized that, it really broke this, what felt like I was on a hamster wheel with God. Um, It felt like I I was on this constant cycle of sinning and then beating myself up and, and sulking away from God, feeling, feeling like I, I needed to get better and clean myself up before I could come to God. And I was always afraid because I felt like I was only good with God until the next time I, that I sinned and messed up. Um, but Pastor Bob made me realize from the book of Romans that Jesus has paid it all. And so that, that wheel that I was on of constantly ups and downs, feeling like, okay, it's been a while since I sinned, so I'm okay with God, but now I've sinned again and I'm at the bottom and, and things are awful. Um, that, that just got taken away and it got replaced with much more of a, a steady state feeling of peace with God. Um, yeah, ha- having a confidence that I was good with God because Jesus has come and paid for all of my sins. So hard to wrap, wrap your head around, right? Time and death and God and all of these big ideas. Um, and this is still before I understood what, what it meant to, to be in a covenant with God, uh, the idea of the new covenant. Uh, but I, I started to taste that reality of security and the peace of, of being right with God. Um, Hillsdale is where I met Katie finally Um, I was mutual friends with a lot of people in her friend group Um, she worked in the college library and I was in there all the time and um, I I would say this even if she were not in the room here but she really has been the biggest gift and the biggest blessing besides salvation besides, besides revealing Jesus to me and what the gospel really is. Uh, Katie's been the biggest gift to me. And anyone here, brothers and sisters, if, uh, if you're single and you really want to be in a relationship that honors God, um, I, I 
really pray that the Lord would bless you in that way, that, that he would bring the right person into your life, because I know how hard that is. And uh, I really pray that he would, he would give you contentment until that happens. Um, last thing I wanted to say, after Hillsdale, I thought I wanted to go into counseling because uh, pastoral counseling had helped me so much and, and helped me untangle these confusions. And my pastor, Bob, who had helped me so much, he steered me towards Louisville, Kentucky, where Southern Seminary is, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, he had studied there. He knew it would be really good for me. And that's where I've been for the last four years now. Um, God has been so kind. That's where I think both Katie and myself, a lot of our theological understanding has grown deep and not just wide. Um, we're members at a really healthy church that has blessed us so much. Uh, so many good, faithful people who are kind and sacrificial and, and really um, live in community with each other. That was so big for for me, um, I think uh, some of the current anxieties that I would say that we're, uh, or I know I am praying through and, and praying for wisdom for and grace. Um, finishing up seminary, we are praying for wisdom for a full-time job in Louisville. Uh, I've got one, one opportunity really that I'm trying to, to weigh and uh, discern. Um, Anxiety about the economy, I'm sure you all feel this just as much as anywhere else in the country, uh, making ends meet financially. Uh, and then the other big area is wanting to be, wanting to be a loving father and a loving husband. Um, we have, we're, we're expecting baby number one uh, here this September, which we're really excited about. Uh, so I would love your prayers in those areas, and I would love to pray for you all right now. So let, let's please pray. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you that your grace and your mercies are new every morning. Lord, I thank you for every person here and every member of this church who can't be here today. Lord, you know them intimately. You know what they are going through. You know what you have brought them through and what you have given them grace to endure through. You know what's ahead of them and all of the different things on their plates right now, Lord. Um, we thank you, Lord. Thank you that you are gracious and merciful, that you're slow to anger. You're not quick to anger. Thank you that you're abounding in steadfast love for us. Thank you that you are the one who removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. Thank you that you make it possible, Jesus has made it possible for us to be right with you. Thank you that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and that we can have peace with you through him. So I thank you for, for this church. I thank you for Pastor Calvin and all the members, all the deacons. I thank you for the ways that you are at work here, and I pray that you would build up your people today through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We are dismissed. Timothy will be.